What's going on, everybody? Uh, this is a very special episode of the Golf Guide podcast. Uh, in this episode, myself as well as my dad, Rick, uh, are going to be talking about a trip that we made up to the eastern Oregon frontier uh, to a known golf destination called Sylvie's Valley Ranch. Uh, we were up in Sylvie's in late October of this year, so 2018. I believe it was the first full year that Sylvie's was in operation and had their golf course uh, open to the public. So uh, the first half of the podcast is me and my dad talking about Sylvie's while we were actually up there at the resort. And then the second half is just me um, on my own kind of spe- you know, reminiscing and kind of talking about the trip as a whole after I'd gotten back um, to our studio when the trip had concluded. So um, I hope you guys really enjoy it. It's a really cool podcast about a really exciting new concept uh, as far as golf destinations go. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. And uh, this episode of the podcast is presented by Pacific Coast Golf Guide Magazine, the number one printed golf course resource for you to be able to learn about every single golf course in California, Nevada, Oregon, Hawaii, and Washington. And it's available completely free of charge at a golf course near you. Uh, To learn more, you can always go to golfguide.net. And with that all being said, and without any further delay, let's get into it with another special episode of the Golf Guide podcast. Everybody, I, I've just got an unbelievable guest for all of you today. It is the CEO, founder of the Golf Guide Empire, and he also happens to be responsible for half of my genetics and is a large reason why I even exist. It's my dad. Hey, Pop. Hey there, Kyle. <laughs> Glad to be here on, on the podcast with you. It's pretty weird that... Uh, you know, Three years, almost three years, I've been doing this podcast, and you have never been on. Is that? I, I hope you don't take offense to this. I, I don't really know how it hasn't happened until now. That's probably no mistake. <laughs> yeah, that uh, cuts deep. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, dude, we just got done playing a super killer round of golf today. How are you feeling? I feel great. Little, little spent, but uh, God, what a fabulous walk. I know that was it was really good. So, uh, if you guys, you know, probably can uh, tell from the title of the podcast, we are actually recording right now. Uh, from our hotel room at Sylvie's Valley Ranch uh, up in rural Oregon, or as they like to refer to it here as Frontier Oregon. And it is definitely a frontier out here. Yeah, yeah, it is, uh, it is, it is a long ways away. So we're uh, kind of on today's podcast, we're going to go over the experience that we had today on the Craddock course, uh, which is, you know, they obviously have an 18-hole reversible golf course here that we're going to go into much greater detail a little later in the podcast. So Uh, We'll talk about our experience on the Craddock Golf Course today, also on the Chief Egan Par 3 course that we were able to play. And then uh, when, uh, I'm not sure if Rick will be here for like the last third of the podcast, but uh, we'll also review the Hankins um, portion of the golf course out there, which is, you know, the golf course we played today, but played in reverse. But it's not really a reversible golf course in the truest sense of the word in that like there's not 18 greens and 18 fairways that you play one way and then play the other way. This place is much more unique than that. I think there's almost 27 different green complexes. So only like nine, nine of them are actually used for both routings. But anyway, we'll get into all that uh, a little bit later when we talk about the the golf, uh, the golf here at Sylvie's Valley Ranch. But, um, you know, we got here yesterday and it, it's funny because 
for so many years, when we talk to friends about going on golf trips, we use kind of band and dunes as our main reference point. And we're always like, oh yeah, you just got to be careful. It's, it's, uh, it's way out there. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. It just takes forever to get there. Um, I feel like I can safely say that Bandon, in terms of remoteness, this doesn't have shit on this place. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> you know, we're out here in the desert <laughs> and, uh, the Eastern desert of Oregon is not, nothing short of a spectacular. Um, it was a long drive yesterday, but boy, the sights, the views, the vistas that we were able to go by were just breathtaking the whole way. It was, a you know, incredible part of the state with Northern California that I haven't been, and I've never been to this part of Oregon. So, uh, very, very happy to be here, and weather so far has been very accommodating. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, one thing that I thought was pretty interesting is that uh, you have obviously lived in California for over 60 years. Uh, you know me, I'm about half that, so I've lived in California for almost 30 years myself. Um, neither one of us had ever been to a large portion of California that we drove through for several hours yesterday, which was pretty crazy. I, how, how has it been that we've never driven up U.S. Highway 395 in kind of, you know, from in the most northeastern portion of California. California is a big state. Um, it's not that close to the ocean. And uh, really, you know, most of my life, you know, tend to be kind of near the near the ocean. But this, uh, yeah, I heard great things and beauty, you know, people that go up here for hunting and fishing and have uh, really love that. And I can understand why. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, getting here to Sylvie's, I, I think a lot of people do fly. Um, but the thing is, it's remote where if you were going to fly, you would have one of two options. You'd either fly into Bend, Central Oregon, or you'd fly into Boise, Idaho. If you're going to fly into Bend, you're going to have to then rent a car and drive another two and a half hours to get here. If you fly into Boise, Idaho, which is a, a bigger airport, I think I know Southwest uh, certainly flies to Boise and they don't fly to Bend. But if you fly into Boise, then you have another three and a half to four hour drive to get here from there as well. Um, and those are pretty much your two closest options if you want to fly. We decided to drive. Uh, we drove up from Chico yesterday, and that took, what, like seven to seven and a half hours of driving? Yeah, probably took us eight hours with a couple of stops. Yeah, I mean, and again, the, the one the one benefit is that it was an awesome drive. I mean, there, there was there, there were times where you're driving by lakes and, you know, mountains where you're kind of just thinking to yourself, like, where the hell am I? I mean, I know I'm in California, but this could be in Montana. This could be, obviously, Oregon or Washington or somewhere up in British Columbia. I mean, it's just it, the scale of everything on that drive is pretty pretty incredible really quite lovely and probably most of that drive we were probably close to a mile in elevation yeah yeah and that's another thing i didn't realize is that here at sylvie's i mean the golf course we played today for the most part it was right around 4800 feet um and the ball was was flying pretty good despite the cold weather which the uh the golf you know the director of golf who who met us uh before we went out to go play today he was kind of saying that the cold weather was gonna kind of cancel out the elevation uh that we had here um I think that was probably right, but it still felt like the ball was flying pretty good. Well, I think it was flying really good, especially on those downhill uh, holes <laughs> yeah. that we played. Uh, but I, I think he was pretty spot on because of the cold weather. Uh, it did cancel out the elevation changes in all of our shots. For sure. And I think if you were here in summertime when it's 80, 90 degrees out here, uh, it probably would feel pretty similar to playing in Tahoe or, or in Mammoth or uh, you know, any of those other places where you're playing almost a mile up where you're, you're getting an extra club or two. Truly, you definitely would feel that you're in much better shape than you really are when yeah. you're playing here in the summertime, I would guess. And uh, definitely look forward to coming back here in, in warmer weather as well because it's uh, really a, it's a spectacular layout. Yeah, it really is. And 
you know, I, I kind of forgot until like the seventh or eighth hole today. I kept thinking like, man, I'm so parched. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm thirsty. What the hell's going on? Did, like, did I get in like terrible shape over the course of like three days since I played golf last? But then I was like, oh, crap. I'm at like 4,800 like feet elevation. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, it makes a lot of sense why, you know, when we were checking in yesterday, they gave us a bottle, uh, basically a, a stainless steel water bottle and reminded us that we're at elevation and we need to drink lots of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was, which was really cool. So actually, let's just talk about the, the arrival here. So, and kind of just Sylvie's in general. So coming up here, I knew that uh, if you're not familiar with Sylvie's Valley Ranch, it is located just south of Seneca, Oregon, which is east, east, eastern Oregon, probably a five and a half to six and a half hour drive from Portland. And as I mentioned before, maybe two and a half hours from, from central Oregon and Bend. And what brought us up here is that it was the first reversible golf course in, you know, since the old course uh, to begin construction. Now, granted, Forest Dunes in Michigan started construction later and opened up before this place. And to my understanding, I, I haven't been able to have this confirmed 100%, but more or less, they started construction on this place almost 10 years ago on the golf course. And it took them eight years to build it. And in the, inside that eight years, word got around that the reversible golf course was being built in America. It was going to be the very first one. And then the developer and owner of Forest Dunes, a resort in Michigan, um, where there was already a Tom Weisskopf 18-hole uh, championship course, they got wind of it, and they wanted to beat him to the punch. So they hired Tom Doak, and he built a reversible 18-hole golf course. It's called The Loop. Uh, but also, to my understanding, both from articles that I've read and people I've talked to, the two courses, while both quote-unquote reversible, um, really probably couldn't be more different. Um, so, yes, they're both reversible, but um, probably completely different experiences from a golf standpoint. And so, um, that is what brought us up here: is a reversible 18-hole golf course. But then they also have a nine-hole par three course, and they also have a seven-hole executive course. It's called uh, the Challenge Course, which is just this gnarly. Uh, you know, seven hole mix of par threes and par fours that are just over this crazy undulation. And uh, it's most famous for, you know, most people would know it as the golf course where you can have a goat caddy. Uh, it's kind of this place's, I'm not going to say it's their claim to fame, but it seems to be the one thing that golfers recognize this place as is because uh, Seamus Golf uh, has been promoting it a lot. Um, and also social media gets shared a lot in that, yes, because this is a 146,000 acre um, ranch, you know, that are actually, you know, active ranch, uh, you know, they happen to have a couple thousand goats around and Hey, why not, you know, strap some to their back and have them carry some people's golf clubs. That's a, that's a cool little thing. It's pretty different. And it does uh, resonate with a lot of people, especially if they're not golfers to hear that there's goat caddies carrying golf clubs for golfers. Um, you know, regrettably it's, it's shut down now for the winter time. So we don't think we'll have a chance to play it, but, uh, in observing little of it, it looks, it's, it's, definitely going to be a challenge to play that and i look forward to uh, next time i'm here to be challenged by it absolutely and having a go caddy yes <laughs> so anyway the, the golf is kind of what motivated us to come up here and you know before i arrived i had kind of anticipated that you know i wasn't expecting it to be like abandoned dunes or you know a, a golf centric resort um, but i certainly thought it would have a, a similar vibe to it and uh Upon our arrival, it it's miles and miles away from that. I mean, both, you know, literally in terms of geography, but also, I mean, the the vibe and the experience here uh, 
completely different than what you'd find at somewhere like Bannon where you're just there to go play golf. Uh, I mean, they, they have tons of great golf options here, but uh, as Colby, uh, who is the, I believe, the vice president of operations here who sat down and had dinner with us last night, uh, mentioned, you know, this is not a golf resort. Golf is part of what uh, we, we hope to offer here at the retreat. Um, and they're absolutely right. I mean, it doesn't really feel like golf is the main attraction here, even though for a hardcore hardcore golfer like yourself or, or me, um, it, it seems like there's more than enough golf to satisfy, you know, a diehard to, to days and days and days, which I thought was pretty interesting. What what was your initial expectations coming up here, and how did they how did that kind of stack up against what your experience has been so far? Had a hard time, <clears throat> really. I had no idea what the golf course was going to really be like, and it really far exceeded any kind of expectation that I had. It, uh, it was in impeccable shape, especially for a course that's less than two years old or open, you might say. Uh, it was a full-fledged, great-conditioned uh, facility that was just a ton to play, ton of fun to play. And uh, one of the things that, that when we were talking to the head pro here this morning before we played, he says, you know, I'm, I tend to be more of a social golfer. I, I kind of like to play with people, but I can go out here every day and just have a gas all by myself and just be challenged and enjoy it. And I, I can certainly understand that because I'd be hard-pressed to come up with a golf course that had better views from every step I took from that golf course. didn't matter where I looked. It was a spectacular view, and that's that's really, I mean, I love that when that happens. 100%. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously, we'll get a little bit more into the golf when we, you know, in a little bit here, but I, you know, I, I had to, th- I was thinking to myself, and we, we talked about it several times while we were playing today, um, it's got to be one of the coolest pieces of land that somebody has built a golf course on that does not have an ocean or, you know, a massive lake or something nearby for a, for a totally landlocked piece of property to build a golf course on. It's about as special and as awesome as I could have imagined. And it's crazy to think that when they were, you know, first uh, looking to build a golf course, when they brought in a bunch of other golf course architects. uh, And again, this is something that the, the VP up here was sharing with us at dinner last night. You know, when they first started to build the golf courses, you know, eight, well over eight years, I guess it would be 10 years ago because it took them eight years to build the golf course. They they wanted to bring in the best. So, I mean, they brought in the Fazio, Nicholas, you know, all, all the big names in golf course architecture. And as I mentioned before, this is like a 146,000 acre ranch. And so they probably they had plenty of options of where they wanted to build it. But the owners had one very specific spot on the property in mind. And the Fazios and the Nicholases of the world, when they came out to check, you know, check the property out, none of them thought that the, a golf course could be built where the current golf course ended up being. They all were looking out to the kind of more flat meadow um, that's a little bit closer to the resort. And Dan Hickson, who ultimately ended up designing the golf course, um, he was the only one, apparently, that went to that little part of the property where the golf course is now and said, this is going to be awesome. We absolutely can build a great golf course here. And nobody else said that. And having actually walked the golf course today and spent four or five hours back there, I just find that to be shocking that some, especially like a Nicholas where, I mean, hell, I caddied on a Jack Nicholas golf course at my comma for four years of my life. And that is a crazy piece of property with all kinds of elevation change and dips and meadows and stuff like that. Way less extreme than where the golf course that we played today was built on. And to think that they said, no, 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 we should build it out in the meadow. I found that shocking. 
I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was kind of a crazy, crazy concept, but you could also understand, well, it would be easier, more predictable. They had more experience in building those types of properties. So I can see how they would want to do that. However, one of the points that the general manager shared with us is when they looked at the property that the golf course currently exists on, it was a highly unproductive piece of this 146,000 acre ranch. I mean, I, I, I have no idea how many square miles that is, but it's a lot of them. Um, many square miles. But one of the things that he mentioned was the lack of productivity in terms of how it could really benefit the ranch and the cattle and things of that nature. It was kind of marginal ground. So the fact that they were able to convert that into a remarkable, impressive, you know, golf property. I mean, as I'm walking through there and we hadn't finished nine holes today and I'm thinking, you know, this is this is somewhere in the top three golf courses I've ever played. And I've played a lot of golf courses. You've played it. I mean, pardon my French, but damn it, you've played a shitload of golf courses and you've played a lot of really, really nice golf courses as well. Yeah. And it's it's no slide on those. It's just isn't it incredible that somebody in, in this modern age can create a new golf course when more golf courses are closing down than being built mm -hmm. you know so uh this is just a an awesome place yeah i mean it's uh i i don't know if i can go so far as to say it, it'd be one of the three you know one of my three favorite golf courses i've ever played but i mean shit man i like you I, i've played a lot of spectacular golf i've been very very fortunate in my amateur golf career to play a lot of really special spots and uh I certainly had the thought to myself, like, this is as cool and certainly is an amazingly unique golf experience as I've ever had. When you combine the fact that it's like reversible, you can kind of see how it plays both ways. The views were incredible. The topography and the land that it sits on was amazing. Um, the course was in great shape. Um, it, everything all kind of combined together just made it really, really special. And um, it certainly exceeded my expectations. And the other nice thing about it is there's lots of elevation changes, but it's exceedingly walkable. Yes. Uh, it was, you know, even though there's carts here and they have, you know, got the most modern new golf carts I've ever seen and they're pretty zippy. However, you don't need them. And, you know, don't, don't take a golf cart. This is a, a fabulous place to take a walk. Absolutely. And, you know, before we, uh, we really start to just nerd out on, on our rounds of golf today, Let's briefly mention a couple other things that are kind of a little different about this resort. Like I mentioned, it's very different than what I was expecting in terms of the experience at it, you know, you know, here at itself. They don't actually refer to it as a resort here. They keep on calling it the retreat. And to me, it just seemed like a little bit of, you know, beforehand seemed like a little bit of marketing kind of hullabaloo. Just, it just was kind of, well, okay, you want to call it a retreat instead of a resort, fine, you know, whatever. But after being here, it actually it, <laughs> it is it is really a retreat more so than a resort. I mean, you don't get the feeling that it is a resort here. It's, um, I mean, when you, when you arrive, first of all, you got to go through a gate that you have to, you know, call in on and then they'll let you through the gate. Nobody can just drive their car right on up into the, into the retreat. So you got to come in beforehand. Uh, I think we actually had to send them pictures of ourselves because yes. everybody that shows up here needs a name badge uh, to get around that also doubles as your room key and also doubles as pretty much your way to get in and out of all of the buildings here at the retreat. And it also doubles as your way to, I believe, pay for stuff here. There's no cash, no credit cards anywhere here on, on the property. Um, once you get, you, you check in when you get here, mm -hmm. they, you give them a credit card for incidentals and things like that. Um, and after that, you don't have to touch your wallet. The, 
the entire time that you're here, which... Unless you're, you know, gaming on the golf course or whatnot, sure. of course. But. Sure, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, some people like that, some people don't, but it is very unique. And then on top of that, there's no cars in here. One thing that I think is certainly pretty unique to this place is when you get to check-in, there's a gatehouse. You pull your car up in there. Uh, you get out. You walk in. You check in. They get you all situated with your card and everything else like that. And they say, okay, uh, we can need you to unpack your stuff. I've got a golf cart here. Uh, to load your bags into. And then I've also got your golf cart, which will be yours for the entirety of your stay. And it's like, wait, huh? And that's just it. Past the gatehouse, there are no cars allowed. You park your car in like the, the visitor parking lot outside. You go through the gate and there's no more cars. Every single guest here gets their own camo lithium battery golf cart that's got all kinds of zip to it. Um, but it's just, it's super, super cool. And then all the guest rooms here, have a little spot outside of the door that you drive your golf cart up to, and then they have chargers that kind of uh, retract from the ceiling that you can come plug, you know, plug into your golf cart so you can charge it while you're sleeping at night. So every guest here, on top of getting what I think I can say since we're sitting in it right now, a pretty spectacular guest room, um, they get your own own golf cart, and that golf cart is kind of how you get around the property to go do any one of the activities here. Whether you're going down to the lodge to go get some food, you're going up, you know the quarter to half mile to the golf courses you're going to the rifle range you're going fishing i mean it, it, there's all kinds of activities here and it's kind of cool that each guest gets their own golf cart and it's kind of all right go do your thing pretty groovy yeah it's uh, it's pretty spectacular uh -huh. um which is pretty nice and one of the really nice features was uh i mean they have a, a dining hall that uh is I guess it's part of the original ranch building that they totally redid. That is spectacular would be an understatement of it. Um, just some really great sculptures and things of that nature. Antler, uh, light fixtures throughout the space, and then a pretty incredible bar that yeah. seems like it has every friggin' type of alcoholic beverage that's ever been created uh, on the wall for you to choose from, which was, if you like that kind of stuff. Um, and that was pretty great. And then yes. the dinner was... I don't want to say it's family style, but all the resort guests get together at a large table. And how many courses did, was it? Like six or seven courses? I believe it was meal? a seven course meal that we enjoyed last night. And that's like standard. I mean, every night at seven o'clock, dinner is served down in the lodge. And you, have an, you, you can order individual items off the menu, but kind of by default, you know, everybody sits down for a seven course meal together prepared by the chef here. Um, menu changes daily. Uh, it's like a prefix, you know, seven course meal. And it was really spectacular and i was thinking i was like and that's what you do every night here like that's really wild like they have a an hour-long cocktail hour from six to seven and then people take their seat at seven and you eat for an hour and a half enjoy some good conversation it's it's awesome and not just the food but i think the other thing that i've noticed since i've been here is that they did not spare any expense in terms of putting this place together everything here is immaculate and very high-end I don't know if I was expecting everything to be as luxurious and as as high-end as it is. Totally agree with you. I mean, they did not uh, cut any corners. Um, I mean, just our, our guest room here has two king-size beds that are incredibly firm and comfortable with these beautiful Pendleton blankets and covers and, and pillowcases. And it's um, wood paneling on the ceilings and the wall. I mean, it definitely feels like it's a cabin. Um, but if you've been to Bandon Dunes, it's not too dissimilar from like, say like the Lily Pond rooms where, you know, you have one building that has about six rooms in it, three on top, three on bottom. 
and they're huge. You know, I, I, our guest room, you know, is probably close to four to five hundred square feet in here. I mean, this is maybe closer to six. It's yeah, like I mean, these, these are like these are huge rooms with you know like multiple you know flat screens and and, ca- and leather couches and like I said, king size beds with Pendleton blankets. It's and it's. It's, it's it's top flight stuff here. And even though you're off the grid here, I mean they're off the grid here. It's your guest rooms are the only place where you have access to Wi-Fi, for yeah. example. No so. cell service here, which, you know, depending on uh, how connected you want to be, is is kind of nice. That's right. Yeah, you don't get any calls when you're on the golf course. No, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> yeah, as, as it should be. Yeah. So all right, I think we we we've talked about Sylvie's, you know, the links and retreat at Sylvie's Valley Ranch. Let's. Let's get down to business here. Let's talk a little bit about you know, a little bit more about this golf. So, as we mentioned before, it's a reversible 18-hole golf course. If you play it one way, it's the Craddock design, and then the other way, it's the Hankins, I believe. Hankins, Hankins, um, potato, potato. You know, doesn't really matter. Um, today we played the Craddock 18, which more or less goes clockwise. Um, it's not a perfect circle by any means, but if you had to look at it on a map, you know, it, it does. It's the clockwise direction of going around the routing. And it was spectacular. It, it, it exceeded every expectation that I had. Um, I don't know. What, what, what are your initial takeaways that maybe you haven't shared yet about uh, today's round of golf? You know, the only thing that I really stumbled or had challenge with were the places that I shouldn't have been, which are I was in a couple of bunkers today. Mm-hmm. And the bunkers have a, a – I mean, the local rule here is a little bit different. They're, they're not your typical bunkers. And if I heard him correctly, I, I'm not sure. I, I think you're okay to ground your club, but I may be mistaken. Um, I had some difficulty, but I've been having difficulty in bunkers <laughs> lately anyway, so I, I can't really say that. And uh, I'm best when I avoid them personally. But, uh, you know, there was, other than the greens were rolling really true, really nice. Uh, they weren't too fast. They weren't too slow. Um, you know, the pin positions that they had, I thought were, were fair and challenging at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the nice things that uh, I really like a lot is that, uh, the fairways are really wide. Um, even though I, I did manage to hit it out of the fairway a couple of times. Uh, but that was me. Yeah. I mean, if a fried egg is listening to this, which, you know, he's probably not, but I mean, this, this place width and angles are win the day up here i mean like there's there's some spots and it's again because it's a reversible routing there needs to be a lot more flexibility maybe than you would have at a normal golf course but there's some portions out here where i mean there's a lot of shared fairways right mm-hmm. you know where one hole's going one way and the next one comes back right next to it and it's just all one big fairway like saint andrew style and there were a couple points in that golf course today where you had two holes side by side but you probably ha- ended up having a fairway to hit into that was 150 175 yards wide i mean like you could sit on one end and try to crush a nine iron to the other side of the fairway and you wouldn't get there like it's like it was like just the the scale of like the width and the fairways out there were amazing and um speaking of the scale a little bit reminded me of uh, a little bit of old mcdonald that just has such a a spacious feel when you're on that particular course and and there was a similar spaciousness uh in much of this course today that was very appealing because the backdrop, there were still these incredible vistas and views that you could see for dozens and dozens of miles away. Yeah. Um, pretty spectacular. And, you know, in terms of the setting, um, it, it definitely feels and is, um, you know, high desert here. Like if you've played any golf in Bend before, uh, I think the, the land surrounding the golf course is similar. 
um, to what you'd find in, in Bend at like a pronghorn or something like that. But uh, I think a little bit more elevation change. And it's, it's just so beautiful. It, it's kind of like a mix of high desert, but also like some dunes. And it just uh, it was just a remarkably beautiful setting for a round of golf. Um, a couple takeaways I had today was I, I just I didn't think there was going to be as much variety in terms of the layout as there was. Um, you know, when the head pro this morning kind of let us know, like, hey, you know, there's going to be shared corridors. I mean, the fairways are almost the same for, you know, both courses. Um, but because there's enough variation in the greens and they have enough different greens that you're playing to, it's going to feel like two totally different golf courses. And I can't say that that would be something I can confirm right now because I haven't played the second routing of it yet. Um, but, you know, while you're playing it, you can kind of look back on the hole that you just played and see the other one. And it is completely different. I mean, I, I anticipate uh, playing a very, very different round of golf tomorrow in terms of the design. You know, one of the things that I love about golf courses, and this fits into that category, is when all of the holes are unique. There, there was not yeah. one one hole that I felt like, oh, I played this one already today. Uh, that was a really spectacular thing. Uh, the par threes gave a ton of challenge, and they really mixed it up in terms of distances and totally. elevation changes, things of that nature, which were, I thought, spectacular and yeah. a, a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, just the par threes. I mean, that's I, I think of that as, you know, when you are not hitting the same club for any of the par threes, uh, that's that's a good thing. Or, you know, at least I, I think today, because of where the tees were placed, I think both the par threes and the back nine ended up being, you know, 155 and 145. So for me, you know, I think I hit a firm eight iron on one and then, you know, a softer eight iron on the other. But, you know, the par, the par threes out there today, the first one was slightly uphill, you know, short. That was basically 126 yards to the pin. And then the next par three was a wild 235-yard par three that was, you know, 40 feet downhill, you know, had like a bank on the left side that you basically just wanted to try to shoot like a five or a four iron at the left edge of the green and let it funnel down, which was a ton of fun. And then you have, you know, two par threes that are kind of in the meadows and the woods in the back part of the property that while the yardage was the same, one was slightly uphill, uh, one was pretty level, but, you know, one was a punch, had a half a punch bowl green. And the other one just had a really wild green complex. So the variety in the par threes was really, really good. And uh, that, that always puts a smile on my face. Absolutely. It was uh, just, you know, fun describes it. It was just a ton of fun. Um, look forward to playing it again, uh, especially in a different configuration. But, you know, no hesitation about wanting to come back here. I mean, I have yeah. to come back here. Yeah. I mean, I having been out here with you, I'm, I'm glad I got to share it with you today and already looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. Uh, but it also is getting me motivated. Like, you know, this is a, like, this is just kind of a special spot. I mean, it's a bitch to get here, but uh, it's special to the point where it's like, you know, I'd want to bring, like, my wife or, you know, bring you and, and mom or, you know, bring my buddies up here for, like, a couple days. I mean, it, it's really, really cool. And and as we mentioned before, it's, it's a kind of spot where you don't just have to come with your golf buddies. If you wanted to, say, bring your significant other or some other people, there, there's other stuff to do. Um, which makes it a really, really awesome vacation destination, especially if you're a golfer. Uh, especially if you're a golfer. But, you know, if you're into outdoors life and, you know, hunting and fishing and things like that, uh, a lot of that is around here as well. Yeah. So be a happy camper that way. Absolutely. So any last thoughts on the uh, the Craddock uh, course today before I briefly touch on the, uh, the 
the Chief Egan par three course they've got here? No, I think we've said enough. But, okay. uh, you know, I'm looking forward to playing it again. Absolutely. Well, let's go on. Uh, so after we played uh, 18 holes uh, clockwise on the reversible layout this morning, we went out and uh, got a quick nine in at the par three course here called the Chief Egan par three course. Super fun, very short. Uh, I think all the holes range between like 70 to like 120 yards. Um, so you can just go out there with a, a couple of wedges and a putter. Uh, I had a blast. I mean, it, it's it's like the perfect place to go and, and settle some bets and gamble a little bit after uh, after your first round of golf. What what'd you think? You know, um, I always love these little courses like that where you can just use your wedges and, and putter. And what made it even better today is they had it set up for the wintertime, and they I think they intend to keep this course open all winter long, mm-hmm. uh, is they enlarged the hole size to an 8-inch cup, which... I tell you, it's so satisfying. I tell you, you become <laughs> such a better putter when you're putting into an eight-hole p- cup. Uh, <laughs> just makes it a, a lot more fun. Well, that's it. During the summertime and peak season, the cups are all regulation size. But uh, again, having talked with management last night, supposedly the plan is that when the golf course, like the large 18-hole course, shuts down when the weather gets really poor, they're going to keep the par three course open, snow and all, and they're going to you know shovel the snow off the greens. And then they're going to offer guests like oversized golf balls, and to, so then they enlarge the pins, enlarge the holes, and you can play snow golf up here in the wintertime, which is going to be awesome. And then I imagine probably next April when you know the regulation course opens back up, they'll you know reduce the uh, the size of the the cups back down to regulation size, and they'll do that for the the summer and the autumn, and then in wintertime, you know just to make it a little bit more wild, a little more fun, they'll uh, they'll enlarge. Uh, get back to those eight inch cups which again it never in my life have i been so upset to shoot even par <laughs> you just i felt like a massive failure not going under with those big those big boy cups out there that's yeah, okay I, I failed to shoot even par even with those big boy cups but <sighs> that had not had to do with my putting oh, that's well that's okay well, overall a wonderful experience so far here at sylvie's um we're probably going to take a quick little break right now i will likely be back maybe with you maybe not to kind of discuss uh, our experience on the Hankins, uh, the counterclockwise routing of the 18-hole golf course. We'll probably be doing that after we get back to our respective dwellings and office uh, after our round of golf tomorrow. But, Pop, thank, thank you for finally uh, finally doing this with me. This is, you're natural. First time on here. You're just, just crushing it. Hey, Kyle, thank you very much. I, I learned from the master. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay. I am back, uh, even though it has only been just a few seconds since you have heard Rick and myself discussing our first full day at Sylvie's Valley Ranch. It is now, in fact, about a week later. I'm back uh, back at the Golf Guide satellite office here in uh, Chico, California, and uh, just going to talk a little bit about Rick and I's second day as we played the Hankins routing of Sylvie's Valley Ranch, uh, where I believe you go counterclockwise and... Um, <clears throat> You know, it has now been a week since we left Sylvie's Valley Ranch, and admittedly, I just cannot uh, stop thinking about the place. It was really, it was really that special. Now, having played them both, you know, would I go so far as to say it's one of the handful of the greatest golf courses that I've ever played? You know, no, but I, I think the point really hits home what Rick was talking about in the first half of the podcast when. He just kept reiterating how much fun it was. And 
I, that I cannot disagree with. It most certainly is one of the most fun um, golf courses that I've ever go uh, I've ever played, and it's a combination of both the the golf course, the you know the architecture and the layout of the golf course, but also the golf experience out there. And um, you know, after we recorded that first half of the podcast, shortly thereafter we went to dinner and actually had you know a nice two hour long dinner um, with both the course superintendent. And also the owner of Sylvie's Valley Ranch and his wife, uh, Dr. Scott Campbell. And they were able to provide uh, Rick and myself with some really great insight kind of about how the golf course has kind of turned into what it has. And uh, also kind of corrected me on a few things that uh, I had mis, you know, misunderstood or, uh, you know, however it might have been for our first night at dinner. And I know I had previously mentioned that basically, you know, every golf course architect that came to visit the site said they couldn't build a, you know, a golf course where, you know, Dan Hickson eventually ended up doing it. They all wanted to build out in the meadow. And Dr. Campbell kind of corrected me and said, no, listen, like, they said they all could build a golf course up there, but they said the golf course would be way better down, you know, down in the meadow, in the flatlands of the meadow. And, you know, Dan Hickson was the one that looked at it and said, this is where you're going to build the best golf course. And it's really hard to imagine, uh, you know, the project having gone any other way. I mean, it is so spectacular. And one of the things that um, the golf professional mentioned to us is, it, which is kind of crazy, is they, they, they don't want more than 60 people playing that golf course in a given day. In, in the middle of high season, middle of summertime, days are, you know, 18 hours long, and their their ideal max for the amount of golfers out there would be 60, um, which is, <laughs> it seems crazy if you have a golf course that nice and that fun uh, on that much land to kind of want to curtail the amount of golfers that are going to be out there um playing it but you know for them they they know how important it is um to preserve that kind of experience where you feel like you have the golf course all to ourself and i promise i'm bringing this thing back full circle and i think that was part of the charm that rick and i enjoyed so much about our time at sylvie's is that it really did feel like we had our own golf course this own spectacular golf playground out in the middle of nowhere with you know, 200 acres of golf with that, who knows how many, like maybe close to 70 or 80 acres of fairway, 27 different greens that made up 36 different holes of golf. Um, and it just is really, really special. And even if you actually had, you know, 58 other people out there on the golf course, the property's so big and spread out that it really, I think, would stay, it would keep that same kind of special feeling um, that we had while we were up there. So really cool. Now, more specifically about the Hankins routing, um, it is kind of crazy that you, despite what everybody told me and my my skepticism about you know the two courses feeling different, they do in fact feel very different. Now I'd also be lying to say you know that it felt like I was in a completely different place. You know I I was taking such careful mental notes of everything I was doing that first day out as we were playing the Craddock routing. That, of course, you know, I was looking backwards and trying to check out and figure out exactly how the holes would work going the opposite way. And so when I went out to go play it, th there were a lot of looks that I had seen, but that's because I was paying super close attention to it. If you just went out there and didn't know that you were playing a reversible golf course uh, and then went and played it the next day, I could completely see how somebody may think that it is, in fact, something completely different. Because it, it is so damn cool. And, and well, the way Dan Hickson designed this thing is so ingenious in that... Um, after talking with Dr. S Dr. Campbell, you know, they definitely threw the idea out there of just making a purely reversible golf course, right? Where, you know, they just have 18 greens, you play it one way one day and one way the other, similar to the way they have it at St. Andrews and now the way they have it at the Loop. 
at uh, at four students. Now, the thing about it is they have so much land, they were thinking about it, and, you know, luckily for the guys at Sylvie's Valley Ranch and lucky for Dan Hickson, you know, Dr. Campbell, he just wanted to make something special. I mean, he was he didn't really have any ideas about, you know, oh, it has to be this certain type. I mean, he's not really a golfer per se. He likes to play golf, but he's by no means an avid golfer, and he just wanted to create something really cool and really special, and you know, having the amount of land that they did, they weren't constricted by having to only build so many greens and, you know, being worried about the maintenance budget of taking care of more than 18 greens and stuff like that. So, you know, having the resources they had, the fact that, you know, he was actually willing to open up his checkbook and allow Dan to take the time, um, you know, I mean, shoot, this golf course is under construction apparently for eight years. You know, when, when they began construction, the loop at Forest Dunes, wasn't even a, a thought, and only after they kind of broke ground um, did that resort over in Michigan, you know, try to you know get the wheels moving on building the first reversible golf course, so they could kind of beat Sylvie's Valley uh, Ranch to the punch, and you know claim that they were the very first reversible golf course in the country. Which, you know, they did end up opening up to the public, but you know Sylvie's broke ground long before the loop at Forest Dunes. And to be fair, they, by all accounts, they seem like completely different experiences. And part of that reason is because. You know, like I said, I think there's 27 different greens that facilitate the 36 different holes. And off the top of my head, I want to say there's maybe four or five holes, essentially, for each um, for each of the courses where that hole is completely its own, its own thing to that course, where the green, the fairway, and the tee boxes are just for that one hole in that one course. They don't share a corridor or share a fairway with another hole on the opposite routing. And so it's really, really cool how they kind of integrate um, both of the courses into one another and in opposite of each other, but then also have little special moments um, kind of throughout the round where you're like, oh, man, this is just completely new. And, you, you know, getting back to that fun thing, it's uh, <laughs> they're just so much fun. And I, I just it, it sounds silly. I sound like a little kid, like, oh, the thing about it being fun is that it's just fun. But... It's really hard to explain over a podcast, and I'm hoping that hearing that, it kind of motivates you all to maybe at least go and check it out at some point. I mean, it is it is a real pain in the ass to get to, but, um, I mean, it is really, really special. Um, the Hankins course, I think, was a little easier um, than the Craddock routing. Now, for you know, just to be completely transparent, both of the routings are, by all comparisons, relatively easy i i was shocked when i saw the course and the slope rating for each of these courses and they are wildly low and i think that's because the fairways are so wide and the greens are open and that it's not hard to put up a good score there i mean i went up to sylvie's with my golf game in shambles it it was terrible now as soon as i got there i started to hit the ball much better i actually was playing pretty good but for a guy like me who you know right now is about an eight or a nine handicap you know i went up and shot 78 79 and did I play the best golf of my life? No. But did I feel like I played good golf and I was rewarded with a good score? Yes. And isn't is you know unless you're out there trying to compete and play in a tournament, if you're just going to play golf for recreation, isn't that exactly what you want? Um, and, and and it checks all those boxes. Now, here here's the difficult one. If you had if you asked me which of the two courses I liked more, at first I thought I might. I may have leaned towards the Craddock course, the first course that we played, but then I thought about how the Hankins course has a lot more elevated tee shots and cool looks off the tee. It, a couple of the green complexes that you play 
on the Hankins course that you don't get a chance to play on the Craddock course are really, really special. And when I sat down with the owner, Dr. Campbell, at dinner, you know, I asked him the same question. I said, you know, Doc, what what do you think? What, what's your favorite golf course? He's like, mm, I like them both. I said, mm, well, okay. Very, uh, that is a very good answer for someone like yourself. Now, what's the consensus for people that come and visit the resort? What's the consensus course that people seem to like most? And he did not hesitate one bit in his answer. He simply said, whichever one they play first. And I thought about it, and it makes complete sense because while they are two completely different golf courses, um, they equal each other in terms of the playability and how much fun they are. And I think the experience itself at Sylvie's is so remarkably unique that it's kind of the awe factor. When you get up there for the very first time, you're just in shock that something of this scale and something this beautiful and something this well taken care of could exist. And you kind of just fall into a little bit of a stupor, you know, kind of just a happy, you know, almost sort of like, you know, uh, what's it called where you're in the hospital and, you know, you're on pain meds and you hit the button and all of a sudden you get, bam, you just get a blast of morphine. I mean, that's almost kind of the feeling that you're getting when you go out there for the first time. It really is that special. And so it's hard to imagine that same excitement. Um, you basically, it, you're not going to get that after you've been there for the first time. And so it completely makes sense that whichever one of those two courses that you play first is likely going to be your favorite. Um, you know, I like to think that I'm a little bit more uh, polished than that and uh, that maybe I, I wouldn't be susceptible to something like that. But my initial instinct was to like the course that I played first, even though I think the second course might have maybe might have been I liked it a little more but my experience that I had on the first day was just so special um it'd be hard to discount it and say otherwise so um other than that I I don't really have a lot of other stuff for you guys I mean the only thing I can say is that I had a remarkable time it will not be the last time that I visit Sylvie's Valley Ranch in fact I, I plan on going many many more times over the course of my life and I hope if you're listening to this podcast uh, you are moved to try to look into it. At least maybe go check out their website and possibly give it a visit. It's uh, it is a first-rate uh, luxury resort. I mean, you certainly don't if if you're looking for a uh, a budget golf trip, um, this is probably not the place. You know, this is a a very nice upscale um, resort, active cattle ranch. Um, you know, all the amenities are top-notch. The golf course is in remarkable shape. Um, and so it really is a top flight kind of uh, kind of resort. And so, yeah, you, you're going to pay a pretty penny to go. But, I mean, shoot, if you can afford to go, it's well worth it. It, it is so, so damn awesome. I had a remarkable time. I know my dad, Rick, had an amazing time. And uh, we're really looking forward to getting back there. And hopefully, maybe sometime in the not-too-distant future, uh, taking all of you guys out there on some sort of a golf guide-sponsored trip. So uh, that is it for this podcast. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Um, if you have any feedback, uh, please, you know, send it to me at Kyle at golfguide.net is the email address you can send it to. And also, if you enjoy this podcast, please do not forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, th- those really, really help. Uh, it, it, it's the best way you can support this podcast simply by going and leaving us a review on iTunes. So with that, everybody, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. And until next time, mahalo. Mahalo.